Mike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Predictions? 2-1 Arsenal. Come on the Gunners. 2-1 Wolves. Right boys, see you later. <laughs> Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast where we speak about rugby. I wish we did. Um, big rugby fans. Uh, hey, Johnny Wilkinson, What do you, he was good, wasn't he? Was was a man, played played the rugby. Did some, did some good rug. Rugger. Great guy. Uh, no, it's... Unfortunately, this morning, the Different Knock Podcast, <laughs> episode number 27, with Alexander Moneypenny and my good friend, Bradley Adams. Brad, I have no structure. I have no uh, patience. I have... I've given, I've given no thought. I've, no, I've certainly given some thought to it, but I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, um, I have no uh, plan for today's podcast, um, much like the Arsenal team. So, uh, yeah, let's... Should we just have a chat? Let's just, let's just have a chat. I just saw something on Twitter, which I think is a really good jumping off point. Um, Tim Stillman has has tweeted, while I'm not at the it's time to sack Arteta stage yet, if and when it becomes apparent that he's not the right man for the job, Arsenal shouldn't keep him Arsenal shouldn't keep him out of a misguided search for stability. Keeping the wrong person doesn't make you more stable, quite the opposite. Mm. And there was just one good response. Well, I say good. There was a response from Tim Payton. Let me just find that. They need to sort the director of football role first. Just look at shocking decisions of last nine months. Edu also part of the row pack and mentality. Till that improves with a stable, long-term hire, things will lurch all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good little jumping off point. Um, yeah, your, your immediate thoughts on that one. My immediate thoughts are, I put a tweet out last night, hashtag plug in my Twitter. The, there are a lot of things... I don't think 100% of the blame could be laid at Mikel's feet. And I think that that is for a few reasons. I think it's because we did not, and we've had, we had this conversation kind of uh, about probably maybe about like seven or eight podcasts back where I said it was the responsibility of Edu and the board to move more players out and they didn't do their job. Whether they, it's because of other circumstances or not, they didn't do their job. And I think we're seeing the ramifications of this. There are two, and I've never, ever subscribed to this mentality before. I've always thought with a new manager and fresh ideas, any old player can be rejuvenated. But with this squad, it just does not seem to be that. It seems to be that there are too many hangovers of certain types of mentalities from certain bygone eras, which is why players like Granit Xhaka will never succeed at pretty at what I believe to be any high level. They will never, like, I just don't think he'll ever be more than a Borussia Mönchengladbach 
or like this current eighth Arsenal team-esque player because there is a mentality issue. He came out after the... Oh, do you know what? I can't even fucking remember what the last game we played before Wolves was and before Mulder was. When we lost. When we lost to fucking... Uh, Villa. But Villa. And they, he came out after the game saying like it was like... Well, I, I don't, it might have even been the Leeds game, but saying like it was a good fight and, you know, we go again. And I'm like, no, that's that's not good enough of a mentality. And I think what also encapsulates this in his play is there's a moment where Gabriel intercepts the ball and I'm just going to put a conjecture klaxon. Warning, conjecture ahead. I don't know whether he's been told to do this or whether, but in the moment, it's not like there's a manager on, on the pitch. It is his choice to do this. Gabriel intercepts the ball and looks to break and Xhaka takes the ball from him and passes it back. And this is one of the entire issues with our squad. We're too slow at moving the ball, but there is n- there are too many players who are holding us back. And I think this is one of the main reasons we're not succeeding at the moment. Where I think you can lay blame at Mikel's feet is every decision he's got at the moment and he's being given the option to either get right or get wrong, just to be kind of binary about it. He's getting wrong, in my opinion. The decision to leave David Luiz on the pitch is atrocious, purely from a medical standpoint, let alone, like, David Luiz wasn't great for the second goal. And I'm not saying it's because he's got a head injury, but I don't know if you've, I don't know if you saw the news this morning, but Raul, thank God, Raul Jimenez is fine and comfortable in hospital after surgery on a fractured skull. He's had a collision with somebody strong enough to fracture the other person's skull concussion uh, and i know this from being in a in a quite a bad car accident is a silent killer it's so 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 dangerous and even from a medical standpoint i don't give a shit if it took one of his substitutes david louise should not have lasted should have gone off at the same time absolutely and i'm not again i'm not saying that you know it's because of that head collision that he was a bit shit for pretty much both the goals but you don't know whether there is a certain amount of tentativeness in somebody after an injury like that or you don't know if they're fully there capacity wise because it can daze you and I think that there's a few moments along these lines William I didn't think had a poor game last night but I didn't think he was brilliant but I think again he's picking William over Nelson Nelson who performed really really well in the match against Mulder every decision that he's currently having and he's currently got I in my personal opinion I think he's getting wrong to play Xhaka and Sabayos in the game last night I think was the wrong decision El Nenny was on the bench whether he had you know whether he had still wasn't still fully fit after corona the coronavirus positive tests or not 45 minutes of football we needed him more in that first 45 minutes to sit in front of, because Wolves break with pace and neither of our central midfielders were the kind of central midfielders that would just sit deep and sweep up play. We needed El Elneny tonight. I mean, we needed party tonight, but we did need El Elneny tonight. And I am starting to really question his ability to make decisions. And... I th- I think there are there are there are there are 
just to use the phrase coaches, there are coaches that are good managers and there are coaches that are good assistant managers. And at the moment, all I'm seeing from Mikel is a good assistant manager being put in a manager's role and going, oh, you could try this or, oh, you could try this. But it's almost like he cannot formulate his own ethics or style of play. It's every, everything I'm seeing is a, is a poor man's version of a city, poor man's version of a pep when we don't have the players to even perform a poor man's version of a pep. I don't think it's 100% his fault. I think 50% lies with him in the decisions he makes and 50% lies with a group of players who I think you sell the lot. You set, you keep five or six of them. Uh, but I'm, I, I do think that there is a big, big issue going on at the club. And I saw people tweeting out last night that after like re- responding to tweets saying that the Cronkies were the problem, saying, yeah, but they injected the money for party. We've disagreed on this, but I'm not saying that the Cronkies didn't put the money in for party. I'm just saying is you are being a moron if you believe everything. If we, if you don't, if if there's not even that slight bit of doubt, you are a moron. Because how many lies have they fed us in the past? And it's not like we have the evidence to see that in the fact that we went out and splashed a shitload of money in the summer. What we needed to do was go out and buy six or seven players, refresh this entire squad and fuck some people off on free transfers to like Napoli or Bologna or like Levante. Do you know what I mean? We didn't do that. Very specific. (laughs) And I think that these indicators are the things that make me go, where's the money then, Stan? Where's the money then, Arsenal? Like, where is the money? Because there were deals to be had at decent prices. I've banged on about it, but Emi Buendia was apparently off to Fenerbahce for about twelve million pounds. That man is t- is is putting up four key passes. David Raya, Hugh and, was he? Yeah, Hugh Hugh was he in goal would have done better tonight, in my personal opinion. But you know, not not everyone can save two penalties in a game. Shout out Hugh Wizzy. Uh But back to Buendia, and he's also taking three shots a game. Emi Wendia in the championship is taking the piss and is creating more and shooting more than our best players. And I know it's in a different league and up against different quality, but we've seen him in the Premier League produce two to three key passes a game and take one to two shots a game. We did not do enough business in the summer. That is the main issue. We've brought in three players, of which one of them is a 95-year-old William to try and fix a squad's worth of problems. There is no wonder that we're still performing like Emery when we, we're just a team full of Emery players. And I said it to you over text last we night. We all dream of a team of Emery's. I said this to you on text last night. For me, Alba needs to be stripped of the captaincy. I don't, he doesn't, he's not trying, doesn't look like he cares. For, like you think of the legendary captains of this club and you think of, the fight and the determination and the leadership and then the I, I, he's not a leader he's not he just doesn't look bothered he doesn't look bothered and that is not ever acceptable for the captain of any premier league football club let alone arsenal when you consider the previous captains we've had sorry for my little rant there. it was 10 minutes it was good um no, mate, you've laid out a lot of the issues that I think everyone feels. And I that's why I just wanted to let you talk, because I think there's there's a lot of things and a lot of issues that um, are, are really pressing and really relevant. And 
I think now it's our job as fans, as pundits, podcast hosts, whatever you want to call it, to just to dissect those. Yeah. I want to create a structure in this conversation. And I think there's a um, uh, something I'm seeing amongst the fan base. The problem, well, there's so many. I feel like I'm like looking at like a a shape that has about 400 different sides. Like you, the, there's so many different things to to negotiate, and it's 3D and mm-hmm. squidgy, and it's it's all a bit weird. Yeah, there's so many elements to this. Firstly, there's an exacerbation of the problem because we're all online because we're not in the stadium. Um, we can't get the frustration out um, on in in the actual stadium, so we, mm-hmm. we we're on, in our homes, and perhaps social media might feel like a really do me and dismal place mm-hmm. um, at the moment. But I want to just say this: there's a big delineation between. Oh, what a word! What a word! <laughs> I think oh. You said that before when I used it before. Um, we're. I love it. I can't wait to hear you use it in about four podcast time. Good, looking forward to it. Oh, I'm going to steal it from you. <laughs> 100%. There's a big there's a big difference between blame and responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the blame for an action is who did the action. Granite Xhaka mm-hmm. kicked the ball back yesterday to Bernd Leno. I blame Granite Xhaka for doing that, right? Maybe we could blame Arteta for telling him to do that. I don't buy that, that Arteta's told him to kick it back. The responsibility for picking Granite Xhaka is with Mikel Arteta. The responsibility mm-hmm. for Xhaka to look after his performances is a bit with Xhaka. So, uh, the responsibility for signing Xhaka is with Ar- Arsene and for keeping him is with Unai and for having him around the club and whatever, Gazidis and Sanyehi and Edu. And so mm-hmm. the, the blame for an action often has less targets because something happened. Arteta, I believe... I agree with you, is making the wrong decisions. But the responsibility on that makes these conversations really complicated because it's like, okay, Arteta is, is, has signed Willian. Right, okay. Uh, we, let's, let's, say, let's pretend that that was completely Arteta signing. Let's rule out the, the, the blame thing as one thing because even the blame thing can be seen as two or three, four or five different people, right? Mm-hmm. Whose responsibility now is it for, for Willian to produce? It's Willian's responsibility. It's Arteta's to coach the team. Um, it's it's Edu to ship him out if he's not doing well. It's it's the Cronkies to step in if if they think it's a bad investment. Blah 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 blah. blah. In every single one of the things that you pointed out, there's so many people and so many different sides to this conversation. That's not to shut it down. It's just to say that I see so much, and it's not what you were doing. You were just laying out the issues. But I think in 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 discussing them, I see so much kind of. There was no nuance that like is in. I see so yeah. I see so much. All of this is the Cronkies' fault. No, no, no. All of this is Arteta's fault. No, no, no. This is Emery's team. Or, and I understand people are probably just picking up different sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. But none but the of the whole this, argument exists. None of these problems exist in a vacuum. Yeah, agreed. Signing Willian does not exist in a vacuum. No. Granite Xhaka being a starting starting player for Arsenal and performing the way he did yesterday does not exist in a vacuum. So before we jump into everything, I think that is the the, the key thing that I, I, I urge all Arsenal fans to just have a bit of forethought about. Before we throw the baby out with the bathwater, let's really have a, a serious conversation about where all this responsibility is laid. Because for me, there's a few... There, there, there's common denominators in all of this, but there's common denominators in the Cronkies. Yeah. There's common denominators in... 
Gazidis in a lot of these these conversations. Yeah. There's common de- denominators in Arteta. There's mm-hmm. common denominators in the players. There's lots of people who need to take some responsibility for what's course, going on. It's not uh, it's not any one person. I think uh, so to, I to think- cut you off there, and I think one of the main issues that this happens is because the main platform used to discuss these issues is Twitter. Yeah, and if you have 280 characters, 280 characters automatically strips away the nuance from any argument. Because I really agree with you. I think all of these. I'm not. This is why I say you can't lay 100% of the blame at Arteta. You can't lay 100% of the blame at the Cronkies, and you can't lay 100% of the blame at, at Xhaka, at Gazidis, at any of these people. Because it is a nuanced issue. This club has been run wrong by so many people for such a long time, for about five or six years now that it's now no longer a situation where you can just go like and I want to say this the biggest platform that people get the opportunity and time to discuss these issues AFTV Arsenal Fan TV has become a cancer you think that they ran pretty much a campaign at one point against Arsene Wenger with the type of people they were getting on and here is the question that I would like to put to all of these people do you really think that Mikel Arteta or Unai Emery could have gotten the same out of the squads that Wenger had than Wenger did? You think we were we were getting into the Champions League with centre-backs like Squilacci? Like, I understand that, but again, I, I just want to pick up on what you said in that I think when you say, you know, that you can't blame one person, I think sometimes you can. You can blame Aubameyang for missing that goal against Olympiacos last year. It's the question. The question becomes: Whose responsibility is it to fix the problem? That's of course, the point. But, but it's it's more about yeah. Of course. But what I was going to say about what I was going to say about the fans. Just okay, to pick up go. on that. Sorry, mate. No, no, no. Worries. About the fans is we can probably blame the fans if we can put them into one one um, one um, homogenous group, right? Mm-hmm. We can probably blame the fans about going okay this group of people have probably contributed a little bit to the toxicity. Maybe they have the wrong expectations. Maybe they hounded out people, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, where's the power in this situation? I don't want to sound like I'm like starting a revolution, but the, the, the responsibility ultimately falls at the head of the people who are responsible for a lot of these things. The Cronkies, Edu, Arteta, Gazidis, Wenger, Emery, all of these people. And ultimately, we have a few of them here. We have a few of them here who can who can attest to and who can um, who can fix things, right? So we need to. My 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 whole point about doing that is to really um, uh, bullseye or, or fix on the target of who who. What are we saying? We can be angry about the club. I w- I'm angry about the club about the state of the club. But mm-hmm. what are we asking for mm-hmm. as fans? What do we what do we what do we expect mm-hmm. as fans? And what do we expect from the club to do? And that's about responsibility. That's about who are we asking? I'm asking for mm-hmm. in terms of before we just jump into the specifics of because I want to chat about like Aubameyang being captain, Jacker, all that all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Arteta needs to do better. But as an overall before longer conversation, he's learning on the job. He's learning like, on the job. Edu has been there however long I, th- I don't think he's done a particularly bad job I think most of the signings are alright I think will, I think people complain about Cedric and Mari way too much from my personal opinion considering they haven't played yeah but also and also one thing that we have to consider is that when I say we didn't do enough business in the summer ETC getting people out coronavirus like like it 
that's not his fault. I, I don't blame yeah. Edu for that because it's Gazidis that's given people like Socrates a ridiculous contract on ridiculous wages that then... But it is his responsibility. Edu can't do anything about, but it is his... This is the exact conversation we had. It's not about... that. It's his responsibility to try to do that, but I do not blame him for being able to. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the nuance exactly. that gets taken away from, from these situations. It's Edu's responsibility to try to do that, but it's the Gazidis, it's the Gazidis era and the Cronkies' fault for giving those contracts. Yep. 100% because they were the because under Gazidis is he, he signed off on the contract so we can we can you know I'm sure there's other people to to, to cast the blame on but ultimately the most of the blame goes to Gazidis for giving us all that contract and and that's you know that is what it is yep so yeah exactly so I'm looking forward and I'm going right okay responsibility here where is the responsibility lying mm-hmm. it's on Arteta to do better on the pitch it's on Edu to do uh, more in terms of um, he should, should have sh- uh, shipped out players in the summer and you know hopefully we're seeing seeing stuff coming in the January transfer window and hopefully he'll do the right thing mm-hmm. but even that doesn't exist in a vacuum because that's the Cronkies responsibility to provide him with the, the funds and provide him with the backing and provide him with the right support to be able to make those correct decisions all of these things link together mm-hmm. all of these things are a massive uh, problem that mm-hmm. needs to be ironed out and and I, th- I think laying the responsibility or the blame at any one person's feet as i've said it is is wrong but crucially it allows us to know okay what do we need to do now because we can't stand still we've stood still too long as a club as a club yeah getting into the more specific um sort of uh stuff i completely agree with you mate on Aubameyang. i think frankly the fact that joe willick was wheeled out last night after that performance was disgusting i think yep. to to put, a 20, to put a 21 year old guy who let's face it isn't up to the standard i think i i, I again blame responsibility but he why shouldn't we, be why are we looking He's 21 why are we looking at saka nelson and willock last night and usually in those sort of games let's face it in ketia a 22 year old gabrielle basically our best player 23 whatever however old he is t and e 22 23 why are we looking at these guys who are actually playing quite well and and lumping them into the same category as 28-year-old Granite Xhaka, who is moving the ball so slowly, I you will never score a goal from open play moving the ball so slowly. But coming on back to the captain thing, as I'm jumping around, coming back to the captain thing, that is disgusting. Aubameyang needs to front up. And I know he's not that type of captain, right? That's fine, cool. But it doesn't matter. Once you have the captain's armband, it's your responsibility. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying it's your responsibility to come out and speak to the press and front up because it's not good enough. It's it's cowardice. It's cowardice, plain and simple, to not do that. And to oh, I know this is going to be a very jumpy podcast, I think, because we're going to be cutting across points. But to jump back to your point earlier about the Abamyang miss against Olympiakos, I think you can blame him for that. But I think that you only blame him for that because we are so reliant on. We need to win the Europa League to get back into the Champions League, or we need to win the FA Cup to get back into the Europa League. That's endemic of a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah, and that's not his only his responsibility. And if you yeah. go, okay, what's what what is his responsibility to score goals? Well, actually, Aubameyang's done pretty well up to this point, apart from the last few weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 about portioning these things out and 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 really having a nuanced conversation. The 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 I, I think we should just take a moment, by the way, to wish Raúl Jiménez as well. Um, it was absolutely sickening. I really appreciate Sky Sports not showing it again. I really appreciate that. Um, I thought they could, they could have, they could have showed it again and 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 
had that clip going around and but i really appreciate that because that's that's what would be nice for his family um luckily i i didn't actually see that news so can you what's happened he, he's fractured skull uh it's come out this morning that uh he had surgery yesterday and is currently uh comfortable in hospital uh the collision uh caused a fracture to his skull okay that they've obviously gone in and repaired and uh i mean there's not a lot of news coming out about like anything other than that then he's currently comfortable in hospital after surgery yeah. but it's ev- everything seems positive yeah and on on the way kind of like the up and up and I think a thing, I, I really agree with you. I'm really grateful for Sky Sports. And I was watching on, I think, BN Sports, BN Sports. Okay. Neither of them showed the collision Great. again, I don't think. Or at least I wasn't concentrating if and when BN Sports did. Um, but I think that this, again, it, I, don't know if you, I, I don't know if you're an F1 fan, but I don't know if you saw, I think it was Gros- yesterday. Grosjean was his name? Yeah. The unbelievable crash that then set his car on fire and he escaped with like minimal burns through you know sheer will of god and modern technology and it was unbelievably lucky and it's these kind of moments that i put out a series of tweets yesterday talking about and this again i'm just going to go off on a slight tangent i'll be quick about um jürgen klopp and how i think that look i think a lot of liverpool fans at the moment have a bit of a they're 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 being a bit woe is me about var look if your toes offside your toes offside it is offside what needs changing is the offside rule not var get over it and get on with it i agree with jürgen klopp in a sense that i think the five substitutes rule gives squads like man city and Liverpool an advantage when they have so many quality players, they can just bring on more and more quality than clubs like Burnley, than clubs like Sheffield United. But there is a responsibility to protect these people and to protect these players because they are footballers, yes, but they are people first. I went on a I went on a run yesterday for the first time in about six weeks, around six and a half K. I can barely walk this morning. Mm. Like if you're running 12, 13, 14K a match and then being expected to play three days later, that is ridiculous. And that needs to be sorted out by the people above. And they either need to sort it out or they need to introduce the five substitutes rule again because players need to be protected. And if there's a five substitutes rule last night, David Louise gets brought off. Well, I, I, I think it actually it goes beyond that. I, th- I think with the with the concussion thing last night, that should it should be, be a free, free sub, sub anyway. Yeah. If, if if someone, I'm sorry, but yeah, I, I yeah, wishing Rahim as well. On the on the topic of Louise, he should be off straight away for a free sub. I don't yeah. care if you, as you say, if you smash someone's head. I mean, the fire substitutes thing is a, is a separate conversation. If you smash someone's head enough for them to be motionless on the floor and, and fracture and, their skull, and we don't know what was happening. I was actually having a discussion with my um with my, with my partner about it about the. This the thing about well, she was like, well, why don't they end the game? And I was like, what are you talking about? But actually, she had a really good point. She was like, well, if you're, if if some, you we don't know in in the sense that we don't know whether he was concussed, right? We had that thing. Mm-hmm. He could have just been concussed, and you know, say the game ended and he was just concussed. Everyone would be fuming. But say, for example, that this guy had actually we don't we he was motionless on the floor at this point. When we're having this, this discussion. If he had brain damage, how is that? helpful for a team to carry on like that and and as you say things are more important than football mm-hmm. i think it, there is a there is a dis- discussion to be had around it and in, in sort of that was this really serious incident and and we can look back now and go okay well louise played half the game or whatever but 
we have to take these more seriously or, or implement things that are 100%. certainly more structured around it because football isn't a sport and she is a great point football isn't a sport where that thing happens a lot no. so saying for example that the game the game should be either rearranged or, or whatever isn't crazy because those kind of collisions don't like the eduardo break right you how can you carry on you saw connor cody at the end going yeah we were just thinking about him the whole time and for the next 10 minutes after the incident all the players were pretty shook man and you would be because if you just seen your mate yeah your best striker as well go off motionless on a stretcher it affects the play uh, and you don't know what's happened we can we can look back now and go oh okay cool he only had a fractured skull only but what if he had brain damage what if he what if he passed 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 away this is Who the knows? thing this is the thing how can you carry and on it's... like that it's and and the concussion protocol just I, I think needs some looking at and certainly some tightening up in terms of you've got to take those players off you've got yeah. to protect the players agreed and it's part of a conversation in the five subs thing but but uh, separately as a concussion thing we have to look at that rule and go, okay, well, what's <laughs> what's going on? It, it does affect the game and it affects the game in, in the sense of you have players who will then tentatively go into challenges, tentatively go up for headers. Yeah. And I think one of the big moments of that that you saw was Gabrielle's goal. Unchallenged header at the back post. Yeah. Un- yeah unchallenged. I, I wondered. And you think, I'm not saying that and I mean, we're talking about an Arsenal goal. I'm very pleased to have had that goal, but still, I'm, this whole game could have played out so differently mm. if we'd have stopped the game, rescheduled for two days' time, and then pushed the schedule back. It's really, really tough. And you think of these incidents, the Petr Cech incident, um, the Fabrice Muamba incident, mm. where you've got a man who was, and this still baffles me to this day, was pretty much lying dead on the middle of a football pitch, being resuscitated by a doctor Mm. for 15, 20 minutes. I can't remember how long it was. And they had to play on, Mm. not knowing, because you don't know. That's the thing. It's it's the not knowing. And it's, I mean, it's predatory capitalism as to why it's happening, you know, because people are just sucking money out of it and they don't want to stop because it's going to cause an issue and then they're going to have to give people money back and then they're going to have to reschedule things and it's going to cost money. But that does not matter. You do not get to fuck with people's lives on that basis. And I do think that, you know, there are certain... And I think the issue is, is it's because incidents like this don't happen in football often. So there are no rules around it. In sports like American football... And I think even in basketball, there are concussion rules where you can just bring a player off if, if they've had a serious head injury. Because, hmm. and speaking from experience, concussion is fucking serious and it's very dangerous. Just don't fuck with it. Yeah. Arteta said that Louise was scared of heading the ball. So, I mean, how is that not affecting the game? That's why he came off at half time. He said a centre-back can't be on the pitch without heading, who, who can't head a ball. Listen, there's loads of arguments around it. Do we, you know, it's so difficult because you know, in the moment you don't, you, that's the problem. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You you argue, okay, well, you know, the players are shook, but how can you, how can you measure that? Do we risk the players more by pushing the schedule back? What's more important, the player or the, the schedule? You know, like all, all of these things, you know, and, and how do the players react and what's the game like, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. There's a huge discussion around it. The point is there's no protocol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was that's nothing the there going 
going, okay, what happens when there's a clearly a big head head collision? Is it like, say, if it takes longer than two minutes, the player has to come off if you have to do a certain amount of checks? We don't know what's going on. We're not the medical mm-hmm. staff. Of course. David Luiz passed it, but... What check did he pass? Wait, what, how, also, he's going to want to carry on. Of course he's going to want to carry on. Like, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a football player, and, he's, and I think David Luiz is a bit of... <laughs> bit of a hard guy to be honest you know he's massive as well so i'm sure he would have wanted to carry on but anyway listen there's there's far greater footballing brains than us who need to sort that out um mm-hmm. and the concussion thing just needs looking at and i think hopefully this this provokes some conversation around it but m- most importantly raul jimenez best of luck to him and hope he recovers well just a quick thing if any if any of you listening or any arsenal fans you know celebrated this in the moment politely go and fuck yourselves i wouldn't even say politely brad um so the yeah okay i'm looking at the player position i'm 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 starting to think that i can maybe analyze this match now after getting some some anger out yeah agreed um okay the player positions um uh, i'm sure there's a i'm looking at the who scored have go and have a look at the who scored match report obviously it's a podcast it's i can't show you this um but essentially we've got a huge, great big hole in the middle of our team. Xhaka's stood on Gabriel. Ceballos is outside the centre circle. There's a massive... And Willock's off to the left. There's a huge, great big hole. And in in in, in its stead is where Wolves are, basically, um, playing in those in those places. In terms of the, the match itself, the one thing that I'll really say, because I, to be honest, I think Podence... As a fantastic bit of quality. You can't really defend against that. <clears throat> you can't really defend against that. Um, I think, um, what was the first goal? Neto again, decent. Uh, if there's a conversation to be had about Leno and all sorts of stuff, but, you know, whatever. Um, but ultimately, if you're not taking up those positions because you're not moving the ball quick enough and the spaces aren't there, so walls are there, mm-hmm. you're not going to be good enough. I, and I'm sorry to do this, but Hector Bellerin, Willian, Danny Ceballos, David Luiz, Granit Xhaka, Joe Willock, and I'd probably stick Leno in there. Out of that starting team, aren't good enough. They're not good enough, and I hate, I hate, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy who 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 just picks out the entire team. And go, they're all, all rubbish. No, actually, Tierney is a fantastic player. Saka is a fantastic player. Willock may, might be okay. Abaming on form, fantastic. Gabriel is our best player. The rest of those guys are are not consistently good enough no. to to keep us for top four. I'm sorry, they're just not. So, and, and I can you have to call it as it is. Hector Bellerin, I I haven't seen him use his left foot since about 2017. He passes. I I think um, I maybe something wrong with his hips. I don't know. He can only pass sideways with his right foot, and he can only run in straight lines. And he he's getting bodied, and he's just. I think he's lost, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like? Did you hear that nice little voice crack there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm pretty much there with you. I think the one person that you can give credit to, I think the one person that you can give the benefit of the doubt is Willock. Willock, Willock is so untimely purely because of his age and his inexperience. But, mate, as in, I, he sorry, might be. A, I was watching Willock. He might. I'm, sorry, I'm just saying he might be. He might turn into a perfectly serviceable second or third choice midfielder but he's not a first choice midfielder he doesn't have the potential to be a first choice midfielder for a for a top four premier league team again Hector Bellerin 
It's a difficult one because out of all of the issues, I think that he is the least, but he still does not offer us barely anything at the moment. But again, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm with you. If, if I'm, you know, trying to sort out Arsenal, I'm selling, I'm doing a FIFA career mode and I'm selling most of these players. I'm putting Willian on the transfer market for free and hoping somebody takes him off my hands. I'm selling, I'm not signing Ceballos to a permanent deal. I'm selling Granite Xhaka. I'm selling David Luiz. I'm selling Bernd Leno. I'm selling half of our fucking sub players who aren't good enough. And I'm going to, and I'm rebuilding the, I would much, much rather, right? This season's a write-off anyway. We've said this a few times, but we've we've said this even before these bad results. This season is a fucking write-off. So I would much rather them sell fucking 60% of the squad next summer, completely rebuild it, and us have another difficult season where we finish 5th, 6th, 7th or 8th because we're getting used to playing with each other again and we're getting used to implement a different style and a different philosophy than carry on with this stopgap mentality. And this, it's it's no longer a situation like it once was under Wenger, where we needed one piece to fix the puzzle, and we were always getting that one piece two years too late. It is now a situation where we have three pieces of the puzzle, and the rest of it is fucked. We need to entirely. This is this is a big job. This is a big, big, big job, and I just worry that you know the people in charge aren't up to it anymore, because they haven't been up to it for so long. Well, again, that's where I, I put the counterpoint across of they haven't been in the job long enough. Vinay's in a new position. Edu's in a new position. Arteta's in a new position. The responsibility is yeah, now... Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. But it's more about trust. Once trust is broken, it's even, even though these are new people, I still look at the kind of hierarchy of the club and go... And I've seen how, like, transitioning into the Ivan Gazidis era, into the Raul Sanyehi era, and now into the Edu era, we, we've we seen it not work under two different administrations, under Gazidis and under Sanyehi, and now under Edu. Like, it, it just... nothing. It's almost like what's going on at Man United that they think that they can continually just mm. change the manager and it will somehow work when the person that needs to be sacked there is Ed Woodward and they need to get in a proper director of football that isn't a banker. We've got a 20 minute left of a podcast. There's no way we could possibly break this all down. But I... I no. I There is... Stan Kroenke is the common denominator in all this he has to take some responsibility and and, and blame um regardless of whether he chose chose the person or not because as we read in the athletic puff piece as you call it he chooses the 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 people who are making these decisions these decisions so he's not at blame for the urzul contract but he is at responsibility because he chose the person who gave it and ultimately the buck stops with him he's the ceo mm-hmm. of um kse so and the owner of Arsenal. So he has to take some responsibility. Edu's not been in the job long enough, but he's got to take some responsibility. Neither Vinay, neither Arteta. I think I, from my personal perspective, I'd understand someone else saying, I'm done with them all, get them all out, out, and I get that. But I, from my personal perspective, I haven't lost patience with Arteta yet. I haven't lost patience with Edu yet, Vinay yet. But at the top and bottom at the top and bottom of the club, 
the things or the the structures that have been in place longer, your granite jackers, your um your 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 Stan Kroenkes, let's say you know the, the top and the bottom, mm-hmm. those need to change, and those have been the longest going on. Um, and I, I believe we have the right people in, in terms of what I hear and, and the way they communicate, Vin, Iadu and Arteta. It takes a long time to change things. People were laughing at Southampton losing 9-0 last season under Harsen Hootal, and now he's being touted for the Man United job. Things take time. Mm-hmm. But my frustration is, is, the same as all Arsenal fans, is it's not. It's, it feels like we've been things taking time. Things are going to take time for a long time. And in that things taking time, we've actually fallen behind. We've not, we've not made the decisions. We've not. Mm-hmm. Moved on the right people at the right time, contracts, blah, 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 all the stuff, all the shit we know. All that shit. All the shit we know. All the same shit. But ultimately, and I've said ultimately about 400 times this podcast, ultimately, this falls down to the the management structure from Kroenke mm-hmm. down to Arteta to sort this out. Mm-hmm. And it's on the players as well to to perform on the pitch. They're not performing on the pitch. But again, it's blame and responsibility. Where do you portion that out? So it's it's such a complicated issue. I think if I if I was going in on day one to sort out Arsenal in terms of what's the first on my priority list, it's 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 getting some decent signings in in January because mm-hmm. if things change on the pitch, if we if we get some players in on the pitch who can who can perform, that is the most important part of the football of the football of football. Yep. If we can get some players in, Kroenke has the money. If we don't make some decisions in January, that says a lot. That says a huge amount. And it's early. It's it's early January as well. I'm talking January the first to the seventh, not January thirtieth. If, if Dominic Shaboshlai has got a release clause, or not even Shaboshlai, whatever. I think the problem is we is we all go, oh, here's a solution, here's that solution, whatever. Make a choice. I don't care. But if we don't see changes, if we don't, we need we need three players in. We need three, like two or three players. Regardless. In. Just different mentalities. If we don't see changes, whatever it is, that says a lot. And yeah. and I, yeah, I'm worried. I'm really worried. And I think for all my reasonable, well, who's blame, who's responsibility, it's a complicated issue. There's lots of different things. We're not performing. We're 14th. This is our worst league start since 1981. It's the worst in the Premier League era. and. You know, we look back now on Emery getting us fifth and, and T-Europa League final, and we laughed at him. Emery was massively let down by the players in that final as well. And and again, there's that a common a responsibility with... there, a, a common denominator there, the, the players. This, this, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I think it is It is now an issue. It's now kind of, I think, I'm starting to become aware. Look, Emery had his own issues, couldn't communicate didn't have that many ideas and we've even seen him you know up against like Barcelona in his native country in his native tongue Coutinho's ran through that midfield like a knife through water but there is a certain amount now where you just have to go these players are the issue they need to go it needs to be a Jurgen the an issue these yeah well uh, yeah they are they but as in they are the issue you can change mm, this is the thing friendly. arteta coming in arteta can't just like buy out cronky and tell him to fuck off but arteta coming in and edu coming in and vinai changing roles the one thing that these three people can do is they can sell the fucking squad and they can restart and they can just go 
and they can just be open with the fans and say, look, it's going to be tough for a while because we're literally doing a blitz job where we're removing 70% of a house to rebuild 70% of a house. But I think Arsenal fans would at least prefer it if it seems like there's some rebuilding going along with this struggle. Whereas at least it doesn't seem like we're not bedding in new players to a philosophy. Most of the players here have been playing with Arteta since he came. But it's it's, it's but somehow they're the worst at playing with Arteta. It's, it's uh, have you seen that clip of Fabian Delph where he goes, It's the basics of football in a Pep Guardiola changing room. Yeah. Um it's the basics of football. We're not moving the ball fast enough. Mm-hmm. So we will never score a goal from open play. I'm sorry, it's simply not true. And you watch every single time we come out. Every also, single time we come out, we in the didn't second score half, a goal from open play. I know, I know but isn't, that's what I'm. That, that's that, what I'm saying. Isn't it came from that a, goal from piece. that goal from yeah that goal from quote unquote open play. Even though it's been counted as a goal from open play, it's just a short corner whipped yep. in. Like it's the same as fucking just crossing a corner in for Christ's sake. And you can hear it a on the touchline, and you can see it when the players come back out. They're being told to move the ball faster. Granite Xhaka, okay, if we get into the real specifics, Granite Xhaka is not moving the ball fast enough. He's not technically able to play the balls needed. He's lackadaisical. He is, I know we have this thing about Xhaka. Lazy. If Xhaka went to Inter Milan and played like in that three, say for example, he played in a midfielder who dropped back into the three, I think he's a £40 million player. I think he has... The, the 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 or he can look like a forty million pound player. He has the te- there's a difference. Yeah, he has the technical. It's like Jorginho. Yeah, correct. He has the technical ability, but in this team, for this club playing in this league, it's not working. So we have no, to. He find, looks like six million pounds. We have to find worth something of different. A player. Stick an academy player in there. What's what's the worst that's going to happen? Arsenal fans. I think we're going to lose. I think. I think. I think they think of us as like this sort of predatory. Well, certainly I feel a, a sort of, you know, guys, calm down. You know, running football clubs not as simple as you think. No, we know. And we know we don't. Well, actually, some of us don't. But most people know that these things aren't easy. They take time. They're complicated issues and, 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 and things. Mm-hmm. But we are actually, if we feel there's a rebuild going on, if we feel, as you say, Saliba's coming in. Okay, we've got two young centre-backs. We can deal with their mistakes. If we feel that we're bringing in young young players or, or, or targeting the right people, if we feel as though the players are banging is coming out and going, guys, we know this is not good enough. The problem is it's the same old thing. We're hiding behind young players. We're not addressing the right issues in the market. We're And I know mm-hmm. obviously there's there's um, nuance to these discussions around coronavirus and stuff, but we we didn't do enough. That's, that's, a, that's a basic fact. So we're seeing the same old shit. Mustafi making the same old mistakes in the Leicester game. And until we see things moving on from the sort of 2014 mm-hmm. to 2019 era, we will never, we will, we won't feel satisfied with this club. And, and that's such a shame because actually I think there is great work going on at this club. I think Arteta's massively or tried to change the culture. I think he, I actually think Arteta will learn through all of this. I think it's almost like bedding in a a young a young centre-back almost with Arteta, he will have to make these mistakes to grow, right? And in mm. two or three years' time, he, I think he will be the coach that we need. And that might, it's going to be perfect timing, hopefully, for when for when, when we're there. But right now, we need to see the changes. He needs to be bold and brave. And I think we've seen so much stagnation and so much, mm-hmm. so many people allowed to make the same mistakes over and over again that fans are just tired of it. Yeah, I agree. I can't disagree with you at all. Not, like... <laughs> right, let's fucking... Firstly, did you? I'm going to play it now. Uh, did you see or did you hear the Rob Holding moment? 
Well, Holding is going to hurl himself. It's the truth, though. Like, don't be a, like, like if you're built like Adama Traore and you're going down like my 78-year-old grandmother, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? You have been tackled. Get up. Rob Holding is not a big man. Like, I mean, he's quite big. No, but he's tall. But he's, but he's not as he's big not, as the time of... Yeah. It, this is what I mean. Yeah. Like, um, anyway, I'm just gonna. I think. I think we've <sighs> listen. Not much actual in-game analysis. I think there wasn't much to analyze. It's the same old shit again. Rinse and repeat. And it's it's the not the structure we've. We, okay, there we go. Quick one. Too much defensive structure. Not enough attacking fluidity. Same old shit. Different day. Get Jacker up, my team. Thank you very much. See you next week. It's the same shit. So I know we haven't done much <laughs> match analysis. But yep. what can you analyze? It's the same shit. But there's the thing so, is, is um, it's beating a dead horse. Yeah, I'm 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 concerned. I do just want to end on on a positive note, Brad. Because we did have Let's a, end on a positive. We did have an email in from uh our email king, Nathan Baroda. Um Oh, is this the one that you forwarded to me? Yeah. So he said, Hello, another great pod. Um glad to hear I'm the exclusive emailer. You are. Uh so he said it was my mum's 50th birthday, so we went for a meal in town, parked just around the corner from a very nice hotel called the Lowry. As we were walking back to the car... In I Manchester. S- in Manchester. Uh, oh, yes. He said, context, I live in Manchester. Sorry, I missed that. Uh, as we were walking back to the car, I spotted a familiar face and realised it was United's assistant manager, Rui Ferreira. He was walking with a man with his hood up, and as Mourinho lived in the Lowry at the time, I thought it was almost certainly him. I crossed the road and kindly asked him for a selfie. He said no, so I took one anyway, which I'm barely in, and then sang one Arsene Wenger as he continued to walk away. All the best, Nathan. Nathan, <laughs> you are a king among mortals. Also, the photo, I'm Nathan, I'd love you to tweet the show so I can retweet it onto the... Um, I don't want to use your, your, your image without your consent. So if you can tweet the show with the Mourinho picture, because it's absolutely hilarious. Oh. Um, okay. You are, you are a legend. An email king. Okay, Brad, um, I think we better leave it there for today before we explode. Yeah, I think before we fucking jump out of windows and <sighs> that kind of shite. Okay, um, anything, any positivity to cheer us up? Positivity to cheer us up? Um, oh, um, would you like some fun news? Always, Brad. I have a job. Yay. I finally got a job. Come on, where is it? <laughs> It's um, in London Bridge. Loser Factory. Sorry, say again. It's in London Bridge. Very specific. As in on the bridge. Oh, no, no, no. In London Bridge area. Okay, you're not going to say. It just, I mean, it just needs to be confirmed as to when I'm going in for like my first shift and to, and everything. But um, okay. I got a phone call yesterday from a gu- from the guy. It's uh, And yeah, so I, I finally nice one, mate. seem to have garnered myself employment. Smashed it. Uh, and I'd just like to say for anybody else struggling out there during coronavirus times, just keep at it. Things will get better. You know, it's tough, but it is tough. It is tough. Also on your, um, your run notes, I went on a walk yesterday, probably about four miles and my legs hurt. So we we can criticise the players, but ultimately, could we do it ourselves? No. No, not at all. No, we couldn't. All right, Brad. Pleasure as always. Also, Gabriel's a, Gabriel's a beast. I'm just, just putting player. that out there. Best, he's been our best player. He's 23. Give him the captain's armband. Fucking I'd, do in it. In a couple of years, mate, I wouldn't be averse to it. He's our best player by a mile. Him or Tierney. Him or Tierney. Yep. All right, mate. Absolute pleasure. All right, mate. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. See you in a bit. Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you're new to the pod and did enjoy that, there's a new podcast after every game. Please hit the subscribe button. Also, check us out on Twitter at DiffKnock and support us on patreon.com forward slash DiffKnock. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.